Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 19 aughts born actors in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? What is this? That's right. Uh, moving on from last month's pre-1900 born actors, uh, this, month, this month's episode, uh, top 10 people born between the years 1900 and 1909. Uh, so not the entirety of the 1900s. That's a bit too wide of a, uh, it's a bit of a catch-all kind of thing. So breaking this down by decade. And uh, it's... Ex- it's a lot. It's a lot more recognizable names than it was in last month's episode. Uh, so, this will not just be a rundown of the most prolific extras to have ever been in any movie ever. So, uh, that is a much more appreciative thing, at least in my opinion. So, um, without any ado, let's jump right into this with number ten. So. Born February 5th, 1906, uh, and passing November 27th, 1988, at the age of 82, from New York, with currently 11 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 71.55, a value of 9, and a score of 69.54 to be ranked 147th overall, is John Carradine. John Carradine. Uh, he is, you know, definitely a very prolific uh, actor. Uh, he has been in, according to Letterboxd, 242 films. So my 11 is literally a drop in the bucket. Um, I'm just like looking down through this list here. It is quite extensive. And there are a wealth, a wealth of films on here that I haven't even heard of, seen before, thought of, you know, considered that they could possibly ever have existed. Uh, yeah, this guy is is quite, quite the actor in terms of quantity, at the very least. So a couple of the films that I have seen him in, uh, and the reason why he is so highly rated and ranked is uh, The Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, uh, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. I, I love that film. Uh, he's in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Grapes of Wrath, uh, Johnny Guitar, which I watched fairly recently and really enjoyed. One of the best uh, villains I've ever seen is in that movie. He's a voice in The Secret of Nim. He's in Best Picture winner Around the World in 80 Days, as well as Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments from 1956. He was in Stagecoach, John Ford's Stagecoach. Um, The Catherine Hepburn vehicle Morning Glory as well. Uh, So a lot of really, really strong films here. Uh, And so even comparing that, so looking at what I have, only one of these films that he's been in do I think is not so great, and that's The Garden of Allah, which I think is just, is the most, is the least popular film on his list, but even at, even The Garden of Allah I don't think is terrible, is like terrible, terrible, it's, I gave it a 32, so it's fairly, pretty bad, but it's not the worst, it's not garbage, it's in that first tier of bad films, not the second one. Uh, and so, you know, overall, he's just got a lot of very solid films. Nothing outstanding. So he does not have, does not have a single film rated above 86. And is the only person in the top 28 people born in this range that has zero films rated above, rated in the 90s or more. So he, but he has so many films in sort of this really strong uh, conglomerate area in like the 70s and 80s that that he's able to overcome and overcompensate for that um the best film uh is bride of frankenstein 
uh, with The Secret of Nim coming in as a close second. Uh, and then pretty much everything else kind of falls into an, a sec- its own tier. You know, Morning Glory, uh, Ten Commandments, Johnny Guitar, The Howling, Invisible Man, Grapes of Wrath, Stagecoach. They're all Liberty of Val- Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. They're all in that sort of real, that very good range uh, with like nothing really excelling or, or standing out amongst that group as like significantly better than the others. I know a lot of people will point to things like Stagecoach um, as being one of John Ford's best. Eh, I've never been a huge fan of John Ford to begin with, so uh, that's not exactly my my shtick, as it were. Um, some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen uh, that are very popular on Letterboxd, at least, you've got 1981's The Howling, directed by Joe Dante. Uh, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex, But Were Too Afraid to Ask, But Were Afraid to Ask, directed by Woody Allen from 1972. Uh, 1934's The Black Cat. Um, 1972's Boxcar Bertha. The Shootist from 1976. Captain's Courageous from 37. Uh, the Court Jester from 1955. I'm already out of the realm of films that I'm like super familiar with. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of monster movies I'm seeing. The Hurricane, The Prisoner of Shark Island, 1935's Le Mis, Swamp Water, Jesse James, The Nesting. Alexander's Ragtime Band, Bluebeard, Astro Zombies. What? Blood and Sand. The Sign of the Cross. Evils of the Night. Monster in the Closet. The House of Seven Corpses. The Last Hurrah. Mary of Scotland. Satan's Cheerleaders. I... Wow. The Bees. The Night Strangler. The Story of Temple Drake. Invisible Invaders. Just the names of these are kind of (laughs) awesome. Captive Wild Woman. Um, Hillbillies and a Haunted House from 1967. Blood of Dracula's Castle. Um, Monster Go Home. Frankenstein Island. Oh boy. So, uh, just kind of glancing through this and and increasingly becoming more incredulous as, as the films go on. The Incredible Petrified World. Horror of the Blood Monsters. Uh, I'm pretty confident that, um, I'm pretty confident that John Carradine does not have a permanent residence on this top ten list. I think he is likely to drop out of this. If I, by, by the time I hit, like, 20 of his films, I can't imagine half of the ones I named even being anywhere close to decent. They look like a lot of B, C, and D level horror movies. So, I mean, that's fun in and of its own right, but it's not great for uh, for your ranking. I'll say that. But these, some of these do look fascinating from more of like a curiosity perspective, at the very least. Anyway, that's John Carradine, number ten in. Um, the 19 aughts, and uh, number 147 overall. So he made it this time, at least. Moving on to number 9, born January 18th, 1904, passing November 29th, 1986, at the age of 82 from the United Kingdom. With 19 film credits to his name, a 66.42 average film rating, one Oscar nomination that I've seen, uh, and maybe only one total, I'll look that up, uh, a value of 11.5 and a score of 71.6 to be ranked 104th overall, is none other than Cary Grant. And uh, Cary Grant, definitely a big name, a leading man for a large portion of his career, a collaborator with Hitchcock and and many other great directors of the time who and I'm 
double checking this here. Was nominated for two Oscars and won an honorary Oscar, uh, ultimately in 1970, which I haven't marked here, so I will do that now. Honorary Oscar. Um, I have seen one of his Oscar-nominated performances, and that is None But the Lonely Heart, a film I did not care for. The other one, which I have not yet seen, is Penny Serenade, which I've never heard of. It's from 1941, co-stars Irene Dunn, and... Grant's nomination is the lone nomination for the film. Um, but yeah, Cary Grant, I, I've i said this before, and, and he was, I think, in the top ten of uh, January Born Actors list as well. I'm not the biggest fan of his. I think he kind of just plays the same character every movie I've seen him in. And not that that's like ultimately the worst thing in the world but it isn't great either it kind of just ends up being uh i don't know he he he's a very very similar i have similar feelings to him that i do about like gary cooper they play the same kind of character gary cooper is like the goody two-shoes guy who doesn't do anything wrong whereas cary grant's a little bit more nefarious he's a little bit more of like a sort of suave con man type of person and my favorite performance that he's given is Only Angels Have Wings, but I think most of his movies, uh, or most of the movies that he's in, he ends up playing the same kind of role. Uh, so there, there is that, and, and that's, that's not great. Um, however, his best films um, are the ones where he's kind of bolstered by the strong performances around him. So I'm looking at things like The Philadelphia Story, where he has Catherine Hepburn and James Stewart right next to him. Uh, Charade with um, Audrey Hepburn, Walter Matthau, James Coburn, George Kennedy, a fantastic cast. North by Northwest, uh, which is probably most beneficial from Hitchcock, um, but you also have Eva Marie Saint, uh, Leo G. Carroll, James Mason, Martin Landau, uh, and His Girl Friday I really enjoy with Rosalind Russell. Holiday, which is another Catherine Hepburn film, bringing up Baby, uh, gives you Catherine Hepburn again. So Hepburn and Grant worked together a lot, um, and uh, worked, that worked out for pretty well for them. Uh, so yeah, I... You know, I don't have to talk too much about him. I haven't seen that many more films of his since uh, I think I last talked about it. And I think the only film I really saw in the in the interim, if any, was like um, was the Love Goddesses, which is a documentary that is just average. So, yeah, Cary Grant. So some of the films of his I haven't seen still: uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, and if I to remember, Gunga Din. She done him wrong. The bishop's wife, blonde Venus, Mister Blandings builds his dream house. Um, the talk of the town. I was a male war bride. My favorite wife, Sylvia Scarlet. Nothing uh, that really. Nothing that gives me cause to believe he's going to be in it, giving us anything else besides what we've already seen. Pretty much, it looks like. Pretty typical Cary Grant performances all throughout here. I'm interested to check out... Um, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, da, 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 maybe I'll think of it. Don't think so. I'll have to... Um, Penny Serenade. I'm interested in seeing Penny Serenade because... I'm curious what other film uh, the Academy thought was worth nominating this guy for. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll definitely watch that before I bring him up again on the next episode that he's on. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how... See if that impacts anything at all or, or if it's just kind of more of the same. But Cary Grant, number nine... In the 19 aughts, number 104 overall. Number eight in the 19 aughts uh, is someone who probably would have made the top 10 April-born month uh, list this month, 
but we're doing, or no, last month, rather. Uh, but we're doing 19 aughts, and he makes it here too. Born April 9th, 1903. Passing November 5th, 1960, at the age of 57. From Nebraska. With 16 film credits to his name, and an average film rating of 69.38. No Oscar nominations, and a value of 10.5 for a total score of 72.17. Uh, which... Yields a overall ranking of 95 is Ward Bond. Uh, Ward Bond uh, is a primarily Western actor. Um, you can tell from his picture on Letterboxd. He's got like the straw hat and I don't know. He just he gives off Western vibes. Uh, so naturally, I have mostly seen the films of his that aren't Westerns. Um, bringing up baby it happened one night it's a wonderful life gone with the wind the maltese falcon you can't take it with you Uh, a lot of non-westerns that he's been in that i've seen but some of the good western some of the best westerns uh he's been in uh the grapes of wrath uh as well as johnny guitar my darling clementine the quiet man uh the searchers john wayne in the searchers uh these those are the ones i've seen at least, and uh, very good. I like Ward Bond. He is he's he's very particular. You know, he along with John Carradine, he's another person who's been in hundreds of films. He's got 196 credits on Letterboxd, so my 16 is only eight eight percent of that, which is terribly tiny. Um, and he's it's it's a lot of good stuff. It's it's mostly good stuff. You know, my favorite film that he's been in is is, is It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, but he's someone, you know, I definitely... I think Johnny Guitar is the first film I saw where I actually recognized him while watching the movie. And I, I tweeted something out like this, like, yesterday. But it's so strange. You know, I'll watch a short film that comes out this year with a person who I've only seen in that short film, and I will always remember who that person is, I will always be able to associate their name with their face, if I ever see them ever again in any movie ever, I will recognize them. Meanwhile, I'll see 16 films with Ward Bond, and I'll still have trouble figuring out where he is in a movie, with the character name in front of me. You know, like, it's just really frustrating that that's a thing. I don't know why that's a thing. And like Vivian Leigh or Olivia de Havilland, I, I feel the same way about. Or um, who else? I forget the other examples I used. Uh, and last night, let me see. Uh, Rock Hudson or Deborah Kerr. Like these are big names from this time. And I just don't recognize them, even like a dozen films into their filmography. It's really interesting, really, really weird. Um, but anyway, Ward Bond, uh, some of the films he's been in I haven't seen, uh, Rio Bravo, Howard Hawks, 1959 film, Young Mr. Lincoln from 39, uh, 1936's Fury, 1948's Fort Apache, uh, 1951's On Dangerous Ground, uh, 1937's YOLO, or You Only Live Once, Son of Frankenstein, Wagon Master, they were expendable. The Long Voyage Home. Three Godfathers. Drums Along the Mohawk. The Big Trail. Hondo. The Wings of Eagles. Dodge City. Wild Boys of the Road. A lot of, lot of westerns going on here. A lot of westerns. But, um, you know, you compare this to someone like John Carradine, at least in my initial impressions looking through here, far more films that that Ward Bond has been in where I'm like these have all of these even like halfway down the list still have huge name actors in them uh and you know they're still fairly familiar looking films like halfway down the list you have A Man Betrayed which is John Wayne they gave him a gun Spencer Tracy uh Rookie of the Year John Wayne um Kit uh, Kit Carson, which stars Dana Andrews. 
Devil Dogs of the Air, which stars James Cagney. Uh, which is not at all this vibe I got from John Carradine's list <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, so, Ward Bond definitely feels like someone who's going to be a mainstay on this. Uh, we'll have to see going forward. Uh, you know, he, he's he been in some good films, but he's the f- first person on this top ten list to be in an, quote, awful film, which is a no for sure. I'm not sure if I can find it on his list. Which I think is a short film. It's a short film that I think was nominated for an, nothing. Nominated for nothing. But it's basically a short little sort of a documentary that details the dangers and treatments therein of venereal disease. Because that's exciting. And it's real bad. But it's like a ton of like names in it for some reason. Uh, so... We'll see. Uh, again, I think he's in a much better position than John Carradine, and his filmography left to see is a lot stronger, just on a surface level and on a actors who are in the movie level than John Carradine's are. So Ward Bond, whose full real name is Wardell Edwin Bond. Interesting. Wardell. That's an interesting name. Ward Bond, who is number eight... In the 19 aughts, number 95 overall. So we're in the top 100 now going forward. Next up is uh, an actor born May 15, 1905, passing February 6, 1994, at the age of 88. Long life. Born in Virginia with 10 film credits to his name at the moment. An average film rating of 74.4, which is the highest average film rating of anybody on this top 10 list. Uh, Zero films rated below a 54, as it turns out. A value of 10.5 and a total score of 72.5 for a ranking of 90 is Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton uh, is a longtime friend and co-worker and companion of uh, Orson Welles. Uh, That is the biggest reason he is in such a strong position. He was in Citizen Kane. He is the lead in The Third Man, which is a fantastic film. He is in Touch of Evil, as well as F for Fake, the Wells documentary, as well as The Magnificent Ambersons. He is one of the leads in Gaslight and Tora Tora Tora, Shadow of a Doubt from Hitchcock, um, what else do we have down here? Uh, the Farmer's Daughter, which is just okay. Uh, but again, at only 10 films, uh, he has the fewest number of films out of anybody on this list. So definitely less breadth uh, in terms of just trying to find different types of films that he's been in. Uh, he's got, you know, he's in most of... Orson Welles films. He's gonna. He's gonna. When I, he's in uh, Othello, 1951's Othello. Um, not sure what other films that he is did with uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles' Journey into Fear. Um, what else we got here? Is this Orson? Yep. Uh, Orson Welles' Too Much Johnson. Um. So that's, I mean, Orson Welles is definitely a nice guy to be partners with if you're going to make movies. Uh, He is credited in 87 films on Letterboxd, which gives me about 11% of his filmography seen. And uh, he was originally, he he achieved prominence in Broadway before really moving on to uh, film acting, being, uh, performing in the Broadway version of the Philadelphia story. And he's uh you know, he he's he's a good actor. He's someone I I really appreciate watching and seeing, you know, I think in movies like The Third Man or uh, he, less so in Touch of Evil, he he's much more of a supporting character in in Touch of Evil, but in The Third Man, I think he gives a fantastic performance in that film 
Uh, he He's in The Magnificent Ambersons. I, I really loved him there, too. Gaslight is also a strong performance. He's not someone like Cary Grant, who I think kind of gives you the same character every single movie he's in. Joseph Cotton does have range. He is capable of, of really spreading out all of his sort of qualities and, and you know, giving more subtleties and, and, and real distinction between his characters. Some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen yet, uh, 1973's Soylent Green, 1980's Heaven's Gate, The Abominable Dr. Phoebes from 1971, uh, Orson Welles' Othello, which I mentioned, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, Duel in the Sun, Niagara, Under Capricorn, Petulia, Barren Blood, Airport 77, Twilight's Last Gleaming from 1977, The Hearse from 1980, Lady Frankenstein from 1971, Beyond the Forest with Betty Davis, 1949. So he had a pretty wide, long career, too. Um, you know, because you've got things here in the 30s, and, and, you know, Citizen Kane was 41. But he's got stuff as late as the 80s, too. So he, he really kept at it for a long, long period of time. Uh, like I mentioned, his weakest film that I've seen him in, which is not a terrible film by any stretch, is The Farmer's Daughter, which is fine. Um, you know, it also stars Ethel Barrymore and Loretta Young and Charles Bickford, uh, among others, alongside Joseph Cotton. But it is... For me, it's a very straightforward film that starts out pretty exciting, pretty fun from the beginning, but but there's like halfway through the movie, it just kind of drops off entirely. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's really it, the just the middle falls out of that film, and it kind of just destroys it for me. Not destroys, but like humanizes it, I suppose, in a sense, or, or um, normalizes it, even. Uh, I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't seen any films that he's been nominated for an Oscar in. I don't know that he ever was, but he seems like the kind of person who would have gotten at least one, but nope, never nominated for an Oscar, which is kind of unfortunate. I think he's definitely got the talent to get there, but um, there are so many brilliant actors I mean, at all points in time. So um, it's it's bound to happen to some people that they just don't get that recognition. So uh, that's Joseph Cotton, number seven in the 19-aughts, number 90 overall, friend and longtime companion, co-worker, associate of Orson Welles. Companion feels like there's something more going on there, and I don't want to imply that because as far as I'm aware... None of that happened. Anyway, moving on to number six. Born in Ireland, September 17th, 1903. Um, passing March 10th, 1966 at the age of 62. With 15 film credits to his name, an average film rating of 69.27, no Oscar nominations, and a value of 11.5 for a total score of 72.62. So just had a small uptick from Joseph Cotton. Ranked 88th overall is Frank O'Connor. Frank O'Connor is kind of more of an extra than anything else. Uh, the first true, like, real extra kind of actor on this list. There will be two more to come. Uh, but we are slowly moving out of that era as the months pass by. Frank O'Connor has been in a lot of the big films I've already mentioned in, from like other people on this list itself, including Citizen Kane, It's Wonderful Life, The Grapes of Wrath, uh, The Quiet Man, and uh, beyond that, he's been in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Sunset Boulevard, Mildred Pierce, The Thin Man, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, A Place in the Sun, A Day at the Races. Uh, one of the more recent films I've, saw, I've seen him in is Three Smart Girls and Mr. 880, uh, Mr. 880 is about co counterfeiting, and I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I think it's okay at best, 
but really it's kind of bad. Um, Three Smart Girls is just okay. It's it's kind of cute, and it's... I don't know. It, it kind of redeems itself with the performances and the, and the characters, but some of the writing in that is, is kind of shaky. Um, but Frank O'Connor, not exactly someone who who you would ever recognize or, or see or notice. Uh, he did get his start in silent films, so he did make that transition, and uh, with 132 credits on uh, Letterboxd, he was quite successful in transitioning over into sound, the sound era. Some of the films he's been in that I haven't seen, Orphans of the Storm, D.W. Griffith from 1921, uh, Fallen Angel from 1945, Christmas in July, The Talk of the Town, Stranger on the Third Floor, Topper, The Invisible Man Returns, uh, John Wayne in Sands of Iwo Jima, This Land is Mine, 1943, uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band, which I mentioned already, I Love You Again, uh, from 1940, um, and Astaire and Rogers film Vernon and Irene Castle, Each Dawn I Die with James Cagney, um, so, you know, a, a, some pretty significant movies, some, some big names involved in them as well, Judy Garland in Little Nellie Kelly, John Wayne in In Old California, Mm. yeah so a lot of films left to see uh, and you know like I mentioned in my top 10 new April episode uh, you know April was an old old month for me it was a lot of old classic movies and that's probably going to not change for some time uh, outside of old movies all I'm really watching are new stuff in the theater and uh, films from like 2013, 2014, as I prepare to do those Circle Film Awards episodes. So really trying to go way back and uh, expand things a little more. Get, get some more experience in, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s as best I can. And uh, that's how you'll see some of these names here really shift around going forward. Um, but Frank O'Connor... Uh, a strong, strong uh, per- performer and an extra who made the transition from silent films to talkies. So, uh, number six in the 19 aughts, number 88 overall. Next up, as we break into the top five, we have uh, a Japanese actor born March 12th, 1905. Uh, passing February 11th, 1982, at the age of 76, with 11 film credits, and an average film rating of 74.09, no Oscar nominations, and a value of 10 for a total score of 72.69, ranking him 86th overall, so another small tick up from Frank O'Connor to get to Takashi Shimura. Uh, He is a collaborator with Akira Kurosawa, as it seems every Japanese actor from that time period was. He has worked with him on Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Yojimbo, The Hidden Fortress, High and Low, Sanjuru, Stray Dog, Throne of Blood. And uh, that, just those eight films right there are, you know, well worth um, the the acknowledgement and recognition of, of Takashi Shimura's name. And, and knowing who he is. However, uh, he's been in some some pretty bad movies. And if you're a Japanese actor working in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, most of your bad movies are going to be Godzilla movies. So I've recently started to watch some some Godzilla stuff to try and counteract the the wealth of of uh, the 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 boon of working with Kurosawa for some of these these Japanese actors on my spreadsheet. Uh, the first Godzilla from 1954 is pretty good. Uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. It's far more than just a monster movie. I think it's 
I think it's the best Godzilla movie I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, the effects don't exactly hold up at all, but the story and the themes and the, and the message of it all really do stand up against uh, any of the other Godzilla movies ever made. However, if you keep going <laughs> through the all the Godzilla movies, you end up with some absolute bombs, uh, and uh, Takashi Shimura has been in two of those. So Godzilla Raids Again is pretty awful. And then one I watched just yesterday, uh, Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster. Um, and in this, Ghidra is the fifth film in the uh, original Godzilla series. And the basic premise of Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster, uh, Ghidra, G-H-I-D-R-A-H, uh, if you are Japanese, but I think the English spelling is Ghidra, G-H-I-D-O-R-A-H, uh, so this three-headed monster that can fly and shoot laser beams and stuff is uh, terrorizing everybody. And it's up to the humans to let Godzilla, Mothra, and Raidan argue amongst themselves, a la Treebeard and the Ents from Lord of the Rings, for forever until they finally decide to team up and fight Ghidra by themselves. So... It's real silly, but it's it's a good silly. Godzilla Raids Again is not a good silly, but Ghidra is a pretty good silly, which is, it's still a bad film statistically, but it is an, an enjoyably bad film, more so. And, and that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, I can talk endlessly about Kurosawa's films, but some of the films that Shimura has been in that I haven't seen yet include Ikaru, Kwaidan, Kagemusha, Redbeard, The Bad Sleep Well, Drunken Angel, The Idiot, uh, Ganryu Island, Samurai 3, colon, Duel at Ganryu Island, I Live in Fear, Sanshiro Sugata, Scandal, Osaka Elegy, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I think is the English version of the first Godzilla movie, so I don't know if I'll ever watch that, but 1961's Mothra, which is also an English translation? I don't know. Maybe this is not a Godzilla movie, and it's just a Mothra movie, and I should have seen this too. Hmm. I'll add that to, uh, to the list here. Um, a movie called Frankenstein Captures conquers the world uh, which kind of pits Frankenstein against a fake Godzilla a human heart during World War II a human heart taken from Dr. Frankenstein's lab is kept in Japan where it gets exposed to the radiation of the bombing of Hiroshima the heart grows in size, mutates and eventually becomes an indestructible humanoid later a reptilian monster goes on a rampage eventually the Frankenstein creature and the reptile face off in a terrible battle so that's kind of what Japan's MO was after the bombing of Hiroshima, as far as the movies they made. And at least Godzilla was, uh, was a worthy um, consequence uh, and, and effect of that, that thing. Uh, a, a good piece of film that came out of that. Some of these others, not, not so much. But Takashi Shimura... Definitely, I, I love him in all of the all of the Kurosawa films he's been in. He generally has a significant role in them, um, and I think he, you know you definitely notice him when he's he's on the screen. He's he's a good, fantastic actor uh, for the time and just in general, honestly. So Takashi Shimura, number five in the nineteen aughts, number eighty six overall. Moving on to. Uh, number four, the only female on this top ten list, born in Connecticut, May 12, 1907, passing in June 29, 2003, at the age of 96, which is going to end up being our longest living uh, actor on this top ten list, 
17 film credits at, the, at this moment with an average film rating of 71.06. 11 Academy Award nominations, four wins, the all-time record in acting wins for either gender. A value of 13.5 and a score of 77.08. So a big jump up here from Takashi Shimura, who was ranked, who is ranked 86th, to the 41st overall actor, Katherine Hepburn. It would not be a top 10 list of people born in the 19 aughts without Katherine Hepburn. I fully expect her to never leave this list. I think she's that good that even the lesser films in her resume are in, bolstered by her skill and talent and quality. Uh, that being said, the most recent film I saw her in is the worst film I've ever seen her in, and that's Dragon Seed. I kind of mentioned that. I don't remember which episode. It was probably the top 10 episode, but I don't, I'm not, not sure necessarily. Um, or no, I think it was in the super... I think it's going to be in Wednesday's episode. I mentioned Dragon Seed, but not really at all. It's kind of more of a glancing blow. Dragon Seed is a long, uh, I believe, Chinese film. Or, I mean, it's an English language film that takes place in China, in which which you have English actors who are Chinese peasants uh, during World War II. Uh, while the Japanese occupation was going on. Katherine Hepburn is the lead in that film. It is incredibly sexist and racist, the whole film, every part of it, and I don't recommend anyone go see it. And that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but Katherine Hepburn, outside of playing Chinese women, has had an incredible career, and I have seen all of her nominations all of her Oscar nominations, as far as I'm aware. I believe I made a point of doing that. I know I've seen all of her wins. I think she was only nominated 11 times. But I'm going to double-check that right now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So I'm missing... Long Day's Journey Into Night? Nope. I don't know what I'm missing. Because I've seen On Golden Pond, The Lion in Winter, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and Morning Glory, which are all her winning performances. Then you have uh, Alice Adams, which is a very good performance of hers. It's pretty much the only thing in the movie. Uh, The Philadelphia Story, which I've spoken of already. Woman of the Year, which is the only bad film that she's nominated for an Oscar for, in my opinion. The African Queen, Summertime. Both good performances. The Rainmaker is one I haven't seen. The Rainmaker, which is, um, let me see if I can find it. There it is. Burt Lancaster, Catherine Hepburn in The Rainmaker from 1956. Uh, Lizzie Curry, Catherine Hepburn, is on the verge of becoming a hopeless old maid naturally. Her wit and intelligence and skills as a homemaker can't make up for the fact that she's just plain plain. Even the town sheriff, File, why, File is his name? For whom she harbors a secret, secret yearn? Secret yen? Won't take a chance. Till the town suffers a drought, and into the lives of Lizzie and her brothers and fathers comes one Bill Starbuck. Profession, rainmaker. Bill Starbuck, played by Burt Lancaster. Well, this sounds positively awful. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn went through like an aging spinsters uh, thing, and I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> uh, like, Desk Set is just okay. Well, like, most of her Spencer Tracy movies are aging spinster movies. Adam's Rib, Woman of the Year. Ugh. No, thank you. But she has also been in some other films I haven't seen, including Sylvia Scarlet, uh, Little Women from 1933, Pat and Mike, which is a Spencer Tracy movie, That's Entertainment from 1974, uh, Rooster Cogburn with John Wayne, State of the Union with Spencer Tracy, uh, 
uh, Christopher Strong with Colin Clive, if I'm reading that right, the Keeper of the Flame, Spencer Tracy, Frederick March in Mary of Scotland, Undercurrent with Robert Taylor and Robert Mitchum, Without Love, Spencer Tracy, A Bill of Divorcement from John, with John Barrymore, uh, the Sea of Grass, Spencer Tracy, The Trojan Women, which might not have a male, but includes Vanessa Redgrave, among others. Love Affair, from 1994, one of her latest movies, starring Warren Beatty and Annette Bening. So, I don't know. I... I worry... So, like, there's a lot of people I've watched a lot of films from who I really enjoy. Catherine Hepburn, definitely one of those. Uh, Audrey Hepburn, I would include in that list. James Stewart uh, is a big one I, I really like. And so on and so forth. You know, people who are not making movies anymore, most of them dead, uh, and have ha have so many classics on their resumes. And I've seen almost all of, if not all of, the classics that they've been in. And you know, this is starting to happen for Katherine Hepburn and, you know, Stuart and Audrey Hepburn, who, I, just to use the examples I've already named, in that I'm now diving into some of the lesser known, less respected, less acknowledged films that they've been in, and it's kind of, like, killing me, because it's, like, re it's really depressing to watch these fantastic performers in these movies that just aren't as good and don't have the quality and you know maybe it's a film that they were very young in maybe it's a film they were very old in uh you know maybe it's uh you know maybe the actor themselves has passed their prime or or something to that effect uh and that's just really frustrating uh which is a shame because you know i think with current performers um that are generally very good uh, you, you don't really have that experience because they're still putting out movies, so it's not like you only watched their good movies first and now you have to go through and slog through the rest of their filmography. I think with a lot of actors working now, you're kind of getting it as it happens. So every new film could be a classic or it could be trash. And you're not... And even though the trash movies of your favorite performers that come out now, that sucks, and you don't want that to be the case, but it, it does happen, and it's something you're kind of adjusted to already, which is, I think, not the case with someone like a Katherine Hepburn, unfortunately. So I'm I'm trepidatious about, like, delving deeper into her career, and so it's not that's why she doesn't have, like, 30, 40 movies that I've seen for her in, because... I don't particularly like her collaborations with Spencer Tracy, which seems to be like half of the movies left for me to see. But hopefully, hopefully, I can discover some good stuff and I'll try to avoid Spencer Tracy for a bit if I need to. So, yeah. Catherine Hepburn, still, hands down, in my opinion, one of the best actors to have ever lived. I think she is a big I think she's much better than Meryl Streep and I hope Meryl Streep never ties the record for four acting Oscars uh, so there's that Katherine Hepburn number four in the 19 aughts number 41 overall so we're in the top 50 now moving on to number three um, and here we kind of go back into the extra realm uh, with an Arizona born actor um, born November 14th, 1904, passing October 20th, 2000, at the age of 95, so just one year younger than uh, Miss Catherine Hepburn. Uh, with 42 films, to his credit, the most out of anybody in this top 10 list, an average film rating of 63.62, the lowest out of anyone in this top 10 list. No Oscar nominations, a value of 18, and a score of 78.73, to be ranked 30th overall is Arthur Tovey. Arthur Tovey, who does not even have a picture on Letterboxd because he is so unknown, only has 51 credits currently on Letterboxd, so that means I've seen 71%. This is 
factually not true. Uh, he, along with the next person I'll name, has been in over 100 movies, and I'm kind of just adding them to Letterboxd as I go through them. Or rather, adding them to the movie database so that they then show up on Letterboxd as I see them. Uh, so, it's a work in progress. That that much is true. Uh, he's been in a huge number of incredible films, including, but not limited to, Back to the Future, The Graduate, Rocky, North by Northwest, To Kill a Mockingbird, Some Like It Hot, Young Frankenstein, The Killing, The Sting, Sweet Smell of Success, My Fair Lady, The Manchurian Candidate, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Witness for the Prosecution, The Lady from Shanghai, The Nutty Professor, Marty, A Place in the Sun, Funny Girl, Adam's Rib, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Pete's Dragon, The War of the Worlds, Around the World in 80 Days, Tora, 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 Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, Cimarron, The Gunfight at the OK Corral, Calamity Jane, Earthquake, The Robe, Pollyanna, The Absent-Minded Professor, Peyton Place, Midnight Lace, Plymouth Adventure, The Prize, Mr. 880, Very Special Favor, and others. Um, that's not even all the ones I've seen, but the vast majority of those films are, are quite good. Uh, my favorite film that he has been in is uh, The Sting, Best Picture winner, The Sting, and it, it's kind of just a... a Murderer's Row of, of great films. Best Picture Winner, Rocky. Best Picture Winner, Gone with the Wind. North by Northwest, Sweet Smell of Success, The Graduate. Some pretty fantastic stuff at the top end of his list. His least, high, lowest quality film, the only awful film, so the only thing lower than a 25 is Earthquake, which is kind of just a big disaster movie with a lot of big people in it, and it's not so good. It's not so good. Um... Not to spend too much time on Arthur Tovey, some of the other films he's been in that I haven't seen are include 1932's The Mummy, 1966's Batman, 1962's Days of Wine and Roses, uh, A Night in Casablanca, The Marx Brothers, 1987's Who's That Girl, 1986's Tough Guys, 1978's The Cheap Detective, Son of Flubber, Mickey and Maud, Abbott and Costello in Ride'em Cowboy, uh, and then a ton of other films that aren't even on Letterboxd to reference. So um, that's another thing. Like some of these extras who, who've been in a ton of stuff and a lot of those movies aren't on Letterboxd, at least credited to them. It's not even until I'm like doing the statistics for the episode that I even realize that they were in the movie. So <laughs> that's really fun. But anyway, that's Arthur Tovey. He's been in a lot of stuff. You won't ever notice who he is. Half the times he's playing like two roles in the same movie, uh, just as an extra. Uh, so number three in the 19 aughts, number 30 overall. Moving on to number two is kind of, uh, well, he goes really well with Arthur Tovey because he's also an extra who's been in about the same number of films. From Massachusetts, born February 26th, 1905 passing December 14th, 1964, at the age of 59, with 41 film credits and an average film rating of 65.71, no Oscar nominations, and a value of 21, which is the highest value of anyone in the top 10, with a total score of 83.65 to be ranked 11th overall, and in fact, just slid out of the top 10 yesterday, uh, barely, barely. Uh, is Burt Stevens, who also does not have a picture on Letterboxd, and is also credited on Letterboxd to only be in 68 movies, when, of course, he has been in over 100. But that is a, that is a problem for another day. Some of the films he's been in that Arthur Tovey was not in include The Sound of Music, Rebel Without a Cause, Mary Poppins, um, The Best Years of Our Lives, the Lady Eve, Giant, Judgment at Nuremberg, The Bandwagon, Stage Door, um, Meet John Doe, Elmer Gantry, Anti-Mame, Destiny Moon, The Facts of Life. Uh, he's been in some good ones. You know, my favorite film, and you know, this was one that really came out of nowhere when I first watched it. It's very long, but I love this movie. Judgment at Nuremberg, some of the best, the best courtroom drama that you'll ever see. 
in my opinion, featuring an absolutely killer performance from Maximilian Schell. Uh, in my, you know, he he's absolutely incredible in that film. Burt Stevens has also been in some films that I haven't seen, including Ball of Fire, uh, Monsieur Verdoux, Charles Chaplin, Inherit the Wind, The Cane Mutiny, Days of Wine and Roses, Niagara, Where the Sidewalk Ends, Caught, Dance Girl, Dance, Midnight, Somebody Up There Likes Me, Pocket Full of Miracles, Beginning of the End, Boomtown, and others, including probably another 50 to 100 films that aren't even on Letterboxd. Again, I'm working on it. Uh, Burt Stevens was briefly, if ever so briefly, uh, ranked number one overall uh, just within the last week. Um, it turned out that there were you know, a dozen or so films on IMDb that he was not credited for on Letterboxd. And so as I was adding those through, for the briefest of moments, he jumped all the way up to number one and has since dropped back outside of the top ten. Uh, that being said... I mean, extras, it's tough to, like, really determine which way they're going to go from wherever they're at. And, you know, when, when, when you're someone like Burt Stevens, Arthur Tovey, even, like, a Best Flowers who has 400 credits on Letterboxd and is still, I'm finding movies on IMDb that she's in and aren't noted on Letterboxd. So, you know, at any point, this Burt Steven, these kind of people can just completely jump up the list or drop off of it so um that's that's where that's at so bird stevens number two in the 19 aughts and number 11 overall but we come to our number one performer number one filmography in the 19 aughts born may 20th 1908 passing july 2nd 1997 at the age of 89 from uh the state of pennsylvania with an uh, honorary Academy Award and 22 films that I've seen of theirs, an average rating of 72.36, five Oscar nominations that I've seen, one win for a total value of 18 and a score of 84.33 to be ranked ninth overall. We are in the top 10, fellas. And... Lady fellas? Uh... James Stewart. James Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, as he is affectionately referred to. Uh, I love James Stewart. Absolutely love him. He won his only Oscar for The Philadelphia Story, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I'm super pleased by that. It makes me very, very happy. As I've said, I've seen 22 films he's been in. Letterboxd lists him as being in 115, so that's about 19%. Uh, which is terribly tiny. He has worked with some of the best, and I think, you know, he is a very particular way of speaking. He has a very distinct voice. But unlike someone like a Cary Grant, I think he is capable of range. Um, you know, you just compare some of his perform his performances in Vertigo, Rear Window, Rope, it's a Wonderful Life, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and The Philadelphia Story. Like Those are all wildly different characters. Uh, you look at somebody like Harvey, or a movie like Harvey and the role he plays in that, The Man Who Knew Too Much, he does have that sort of like boyish, charming character that he plays in Philadelphia Story and Shop Around the Corner, but he can also go into Thriller, Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, Rear Window, Rope. And even within those those styles and those genres he's capable of um really distinguishing himself from those other different characters uh he is one of my favorites um hence you know how high of a rating he has uh some of the films he's been in that i haven't seen winchester 73 destry rides again after the thin man uh, the shootist bell book and candle the Flight of the Phoenix from 1965, Two Road Together, which is a John Ford film, Call Northside 777, The Spirit of St. Louis, Broken Arrow, Vivacious Lady, Airport 77, The Glenn Miller Story, Cheyenne Autumn, Shenandoah. Uh, one of the things I really haven't uh, do uh, dove into, dived into, 
is his westerns. You know, I have seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and I have seen How the West Was Won. I've seen The Naked Spur, his voice role, kind of, in Five Goes West. Uh, the Man from Laramie, The Far Country, Bend of the River. I, I'm starting, like, those are the ones I've seen more recently. Bend of the River, the most recent film he's been in that I've seen, which is a decent film. Uh, but that's kind of what I'm moving into now is more of his westerns because I was kind of brought up on his thrillers with Hitchcock uh, and then kind of moved on from that to You Can't Take It With You and Harvey and Shop Around the Corner and Philadelphia Story and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Anatomy of a Murder, that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of just now really starting to discover his western identity. And I gotta say, I'm not super impressed just yet uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if he does have that sort of breakout Western performance. Maybe it'll be Winchester 73. Maybe it'll be The Shootist. Uh, Destry Rides Again. I'm not sure. But I am looking forward to more exposure to a James Stewart. You know, he has had a pretty... Um, how would I phrase it? He's had a pretty uh, stationary role in the... Uh, top 10 overall for quite some time now. A lot of people fluctuating up and down. He is able to stay pretty close to uh, the top without that much adjustment, despite the fact that, you know, I most recently saw The Greatest Show, you know, I recently saw The Greatest Show on Earth and uh, The Mountain Road, and those are two of his worst films that I've seen. The Greatest Show on Earth being the only awful film, and, uh, I recently, you know, I recently watched that to kind of fill out my best picture winners that I'd seen. So I don't know. It's it's. I have a lot of faith that he will remain close to the top for the foreseeable future, and is uh, one of my favorite actors, male or female, uh, and and you know he and Catherine Hepburn deserve their spots on this list. Bird Stevens, Arthur Tovey, eh. I think a lot of extras that are kind of towards the top right now will only drop as the time passes because there's a lot more bad movies out there than there are good ones. And if you're that prolific, like Samuel Jackson, that kind of thing, you ultimately fall more often than you rise. So James Stewart tops the list as our number one 19 aughts actor and our number nine overall. To run down that list real quick one more time, John Carradine, Cary Grant, Ward Bond, Joseph Cotton, Frank O'Connor, Takashi Shimura, Catherine Hepburn, Arthur Tovey, Burt Stevens, and finally James Stewart. Uh, this is a fantastic lineup, and uh, we will only be getting more and more recognizable as the years go, years go on, move on. Um, next month, we will potentially, potentially have a, a person in the 1910s who is still alive. Uh, there are a couple of them, uh, but we will see if any of them are uh, represented by a strong enough resume to uh, make the list, as it were. Um, but I'm interested, I'm fascinated to see who makes it on top in the 1910s. I think there's a lot of good names out there. I'm just kind of scrolling through here at the options. Orson Welles was not born in 1915. He is a candidate. Alec Guinness is 1914. You've got, who else here? Burt Lancaster, 1913. Carl Malden is a big name from that from that decade. Anne Duran, Jeanette Nolan, Oscar winner Louise Rayner. Two-time Oscar winner, Louise Rayner. David Niven. Um, Katina Paxino. Anna Magnani, both Oscar winners. Greer Garson, an Oscar winner. Helen Hayes, an Oscar winner. Bing Crosby, Oscar winner. Rex Harrison. A lot of big names we will see in a month or so. Uh, just who, who makes it to the top of that list. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for... Uh, Slight correction. 
Helen Hayes and Bing Crosby and Rex Harrison were not born in the 1910s. They were born in the 1900s. I scrolled a little too far. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. Um, as we move through the top 10 actors born in each decade. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch any way you want, um, if you want to share movies or movie top movie lists that you have, I'm always open to, to talking about that stuff and, and receiving those things. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film or through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, for all the old episodes and a lot much, a lot more data, statistics, spreadsheets, that kind of stuff. You can support the show, patreon.com slash circle of film, or you can leave reviews or ratings anywhere you can do that for podcasts. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fails.